Hey guys, what is going on? Hey, Tommy. Oh, hey, welcome back. Woo! You guys as jacked up as I am? You as pumped? You psyched? Oh, yeah. Big news, right? You I'm guys, always, you guys know. You, you read it today. You got the press release. You know? No? I don't. Do you, you didn't read no. the trades. You didn't check the websites. You didn't read my blog. None of it. Okay. <laughs> guys, Sorry. Disney picked up another swath of IP today. You guys didn't hear? What did they grab? Oh, the masters are at it again. They weren't satisfied with their own princes and princesses. Pixar, Marvel, ESPN, Lucasfilm, Touchstone, ABC Family, Becker, your favorite, the Lifetime Channel. They <laughs> they bought it, guys. The Beatles. Disney bought the Beatles. Chairman Bob what? Iger, yeah, he rolled out the plan today. Uh, they're starting slow. It's a slow rollout. Uh, the press release was super exciting, though. They are dipping their toes into the water with something called, are you ready for this? First release, phase one, Ringo Starkey's Star Wars. Rolls <laughs> off the tongue, don't it? Just rolls. I can't imagine a better name for Ringo Starr's first show than Ringo Starkey's Star Wars. Uh, but in the press release, it says, from the mind of Richard Ringo Starkey, we bring you a retelling of Beatles history to the sounds and imagery of Disney's Star Wars franchise. Woo! <laughs> I don't know about you guys. I am on the edge of my seat. I, I Okay, but I know you didn't read the blog, and I can't really have you tell anyone this is me. As you know, my my blog is Anon. Um, but I know what the first release from Ringo Starkey's Star Wars is going to be. Do you, do you guys want to know? You want a little I, hand? I definitely want. Yeah, to I'm, I'm on the edge of my. Seat. All right. So they, they've picked the mind of Ringo, and they're like, "How are you going to bring Be Beatles lore into Star Wars imagery?" Right. He's starting by telling the tale of an oft-forgotten character from the Beatles, kind of a, a, a bounty hunter, if you will, doing his best to finish the job day in, day out. You know, any way he can. <laughs> he's he's tasked with uh, protecting, uh, like uh, the the child that was the Beatles. That's right, guys. Mal Evans is the Mal DeLorean. <laughs> it's so good. And wait, there's more. There's more. They got Carl oh, Weathers. He's in it. Carl Weathers is playing McCartney. I can't wait for that episode when it's like, Maldo, Maldo, bring your hammer and anvil to the sash. We're recording Maxwell's Silver Hammer. <laughs> the Mal DeLorean, guys. We couldn't get to episode 20 without you using Star Wars jokes twice. My goodness, I am almost as excited, my friends, about the upcoming release of the Maldalorian as I am to start episode 16 of Blotto Beatles. I encourage everyone here to sit back, relax, cold crack a cold one, 
and get ready to enjoy Blotto Beatles responsibly. We are the show where a few friends have a few drinks and come together to discuss and rank one Beatles tune. I am joined, as always, by uh, my, my great friend and co-host, Becker. Hey, man. What hey, is buddy? up? How are you, man? Great, great intro. I'm, I'm excited to get into this episode with that sort of uh, start. I, I'm also excited. Yeah, I'm just excited to be here. Episode 16. I'm excited. We've recently hit like a, a, a thousands of listeners, Mark. I, I didn't think we would hit. That is more than one. Is more than two. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. let you decide what you think might be the next. <laughs> that, and that I don't think, I don't think my mother has listened yet. So no, we'll get her probably. Your so mother should know about this, uh, this show that we're doing though. <laughs> ah, very good. Yeah. Very nice. Uh, how, how, how are things, man? You, you doing all right? Great. Really great. I am. Uh, what's it been a couple of weeks? What did we talk about last? Um, we were with our friends ranking the Beatles. We, we yep. had a lovely time with Jonathan and Julia, uh, not only discussing like a, a really great Paul McCartney song, but I loved the idea of like kind of delving into their relationship and, and this idea of, uh, you know, what, what the Beatles play in our personal lives and all that. I thought it was a, a lot of fun. So Yeah, I thought that yeah. was really nice. I, I don't know if we played it up enough in the moment, but I thought it was pretty sweet to, to get their story. So, yeah, um, I can't wait till we hit the song that tells our love story. Yeah, I think I wonder if it's, I wonder if we think it's the same one. It's your blues, right? <laughs> <laughs> and as always, we are joined in the virtual Abbey Road by our executive producer. You know him. You love him. He is called the George Martin of New England. New England. Scotty C. What's up, my man? Howdy. How are you doing tonight? How's it going, guys? Hey, Tommy. I'm sorry I didn't check out your blog. Obviously, I need to stay on top of it because if if I if I had known about the Mal DeLorean. I, w- I would have yeah. came out hot like you. Yeah, blogobeatles.com. Check it out. <laughs> <laughs> that's my blog. For all things Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> um, Scotty. Can we just be nerdy about one thing? We have to also reveal like being Star Wars guys. Uh, listen, everyone's talking Mandalorian right now. Get on board. <laughs> Scotty, if you and I had a love song that we were going to discuss, what do you think it would be? <laughs> That's a Beatles song. I mean, it w- actually, it would probably be a Hollow Notes song, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's uh, it's Hollow Notes for sure. I, I I don't know if I can pick one in particular though. Becker, you weren't there the year that Scotty and I dressed as Hollow Notes for Halloween. I wasn't. I don't think we've ever spent a Halloween together no? in a long time. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, whose fault is that? My number's the same, man. <laughs> Give a call. <laughs> I'm in a very specific religion where October only has 30 days. And so I actually never get Halloween. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry to hear that. It's <laughs> sad. Uh, no. sad never heard of such thing. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, it's a separation of church and state here. And we are going to move on <laughs> from, from talking about your religion to, I, I think at this point, let's talk about what's in our cups this evening. Uh, guys, it's getting chilly outside. And so once again, I am dipping back into the land of Manhattans. How about you? Uh, this evening I'm going straight up bourbon just to start us off. I have a little of the Willet pot still bourbon, so I've been drinking that. And then on deck, I also have uh, Massachusetts recently got um, three Floyd's beers, which is is kind of exciting. I've been buying those in my travels to Indiana and Chicago. Um, I was in Denmark. They have a, a brewery over there that they do with McKellar. Um, so I have the Zombie Dust, which is actually a fantastic beer that was formerly super hard to get um anywhere let alone in the northeast you had told me that and uh, i also have on deck the zombie dust under your recommendation i'm very excited about that i also while we're talking about what's on deck um becker 
I was at the the local uh, shop today, and I found some win Winter Hill Brewing for the first time in my hood. So oh. I've got the double buzz coming up as well. And, I mean, I'm sure you have it. I've got it. The classic white can. The oh. official beer of Blotto Beetles. By the time we get to talking about the track, that's the beer I'm cracking. Yeah. You hear it on the microphone. That crack is a devil's purse handline Kolsch almost every time. Can't wait. Almost? Almost. <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't want to lie to the listener, you know? One time I drank a Sam Adams and Scotty called me out. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't ever do that again, all right? It's embarrassing. Scotty, what about you? I have a, 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 a bottle of red wine, a Cabernet Sauvignon, mm. that Ooh. I got from, uh, from Tommy, in fact, and his, and his wife is uh, into fine wines, and she had got this wine called Scotto. Whoa. <laughs> Pretty perfect. <laughs> so, you know, my name is Scotto, and I like to give blotto. <laughs> is, that, is that a guy producing a podcast on the label right there? an executive it looks it looks like a hard that's an hard executive job. pushing I, that i know how he feels yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um that's the big stuff but backer do you have something else you want to bring to the table right now yeah i think we have uh some amazing stuff happening and um a few folks have reached out and and uh, we appreciate this a ton and we are not even remotely soliciting this, but some folks have reached out and asked how they could donate to the pod. Um, and we have set up on the, on the website. Um, we have uh, Venmo and PayPal to accept some payments. Um, and a friend of the show, uh, a great listener sent us uh, an extremely generous donation. And with that donation, I think he's kicked off an entire new segment that uh, Simon K. from Texas appropriately called, You Never Give Me Beer Money. You never give us beer money I can't afford another shot of J-Mo With the Blatto Beatles dedication You Venmo Or paypal <laughs> <laughs> And so, um, you know, he, we're not he accepting sent us a, Apple Pay yet. <laughs> no, I don't want any of that, that dirty Apple money. <laughs> um, and Simon K from Texas, he sent us an extremely generous donation. And with that, I, I dropped him a note and I said, what would you like to, you know, hear us, uh, hear us drink on the podcast? You know, do you have any thoughts about what we could do with this money? And he immediately had a thought and it was super on brand. And so I'm, I'm pretty excited to get into it. So in front of us, we all have the ingredients to make this drink, courtesy of uh, Simon K. Thank you for listening. Um, he said that he would like us to drink Black Velvets, which apparently um, Lewison wrote about the guys liking in the early days. And Simon mentions that these are Guinness and cider, but I did look up that these were Guinness and um, champagne or sparkling wine. So... In honor of this request, we're going to mix up both of these drinks, I think, and uh, let that fuel the podcast. So if everyone can grab their champagne and pop that open, let's uh, let's mix these drinks. Oh, this isn't even a real cork. It's a screw off. <laughs> 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 
Thanks a lot, so, Simon. <laughs> so uh, the first drink we're mixing up is Guinness and champagne. I'm not exactly sure of the ratio, so I'm going to go uh, half and half in my glass and do half of cider for the snake bite, and then I'll do half of... Uh, Wait, a snake bite? Maybe. Which Woo! one? Which one's the snake bite? Um, I believe in uh, the UK that they call a cider and Guinness a half and half. I believe they call it a snake bite. I thought a snake bite was a southern comfort in lime, which is what you and I were drinking that time you <laughs> spilled it on an Irish guy at the Model Cafe in Alston. <laughs> Wasn't that a snake bite? Um, yeah, and he was mad that it was southern comfort. Yeah. And not Irish whiskey. Can't win them all. <laughs> so wait which one are we doing guinness and champagne or guinness and cider right now we're gonna mix them both up right now i'm mixing uh, about 50 50 ish yeah so put put half guinness half cider i'm sorry half guinness into each one of your glasses yeah and then top one like off with cider. cider and then i think the other one i wouldn't necessarily top it off with champagne i would probably like three quarter champagne i think if you're really fancy you sort of do this as a layered drink and I hope eventually when we get a house mixologist that they would help us with these cocktails. You know, Should we light it on fire now? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, mine is mine has got some intense foam going here. Yeah, I got a foamy. <laughs> Tommy on video has a foamy, foamy <laughs> one there. I just spilled a lot on my floor. <laughs> oops, my, oops, oops, all foam. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there was a problem at the foam factory. <laughs> <laughs> all right, which one are we going um, for first? So I think we're going to go with the, the true black velvet first. So I think there was a bar near, um, maybe near where John was going to school or something like that, or John and Paul were, were going to this place. And I think they were famous for making these black velvets, the Guinness and sparkling wine. Um, so let's start with that one. I do want to like point out, Scotty C is drinking his out of the official glass of Bottle Beetles, a devil's purse <laughs> pint glass. <laughs> Which I got. You got one too, Tommy, right? We were at the Quahog. Yeah. We all got a free one. Yep. Oh, right. I, I, got a lot of, I got a lot of foam. I can't wait to drink this foam. Woo! Here we go. Black velvet. Huh. Wow. Not bad. Better than Not I thought bad. it would be. Not bad at all. You taste that there is sparkling wine in there. You taste that there's Guinness in there. And the two together um, doesn't bother me at all. No, it's not too bad at all. I'm into right. it. I wish Scotty I could... doesn't like fizz. He doesn't like the bubbles. It's not really fizzy. Yeah. If, you, if you guys had to settle that, if you guys had to pair a black velvet with a Beatles song, where would you put it? Old brown um, shoe. Oh, I like it. In that, that means you don't like it. <laughs> <laughs> I like that song. Like All right, it. yeah, I, 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 I do. Brown. Like that song. I just don't like old brown <laughs> shoes. Um, um, go ahead. Wow, when am I the one that comes out with something? All right, yeah. <laughs> I'm going to say something in early Beatles, and I'm thinking kind of where we are tonight. Uh, I'm saying, you know, this this is money, man. That's what I want. Wow. Nice. Dun, dun, Mostly dun, because dun, we dun. got money for to buy this drink. <laughs> <laughs> um, is there a Beatles song called Baby in Black? Or am I making that up? Yeah, babies in black, yeah. and, I'm black and I'm feeling blue. Babies in black. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I was yeah. uh, reaching for the title there, but I believe uh, that this cocktail will go down smoothly with babies in black. All right. I'm into it. While we're enjoying these beverages, 
and I want us all to finish them. Let's also go over to the snake bite because this is the actual cocktail that Simon had sort of uh, yeah. encouraged us to drink. So this is a Guinness and cider, and we're drinking a Downey cider, which is um, made locally here in Boston. So when uh, when someone says a cider, do they is it automatically assumed it's an apple cider? I think traditionally you would say an apple cider. I mean, I think someone's people are making pear ciders. And, I mean, what okay. would you make a yeah. cider out of? I wouldn't do it. I don't think. Yeah. You could milk me, Scotty. <laughs> <laughs> would you still call it a cider? <laughs> I, I don't know. I think I'd call it. I think I'd call it something a little more personal. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I believe this is called a snake bite. I have. Um, uh, I think I've had this in the UK, and um, I think that's what they call it. I don't know that we call that it here in the states, as as Tommy will- mentioned. We used to drink snake bite shots, and it was lime and Southern Comfort, and oh. that was dumb. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I have to say personally, these 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 aren't too bad. They almost I mean I don't know how carbonated a Guinness is in general, or either of these other drinks, but this isn't too fizzy at all. Yeah, they, well, the Guinness has nitrogen instead of CO two, so it's not like a tr- true carbonation. It's more like a foam that you get. You might oh. dig the nitro beers. Uh, because they're not carbonated. It's like just that, that foamy, like smooth top. It's nice. Um, it's like this doing is... nitrous? <laughs> Never <laughs> heard of it. Do you feel that? This Everything sounds like Sergeant Peppers. <laughs> I will say this, guys. I, I don't like cider. I don't like cider on the whole. And this is way smoother than I thought it would be. It's very nice. Uh, I, I'm digging it. Yeah, I would normally reject um, the notion of beer cocktails, but I I like both of these drinks. Um, is is Guinness have? I'm gonna go with like say like is this like an apple caramel type thing? Is I think that's coming caramel-y? from the cider. I think that's you're getting that from the cider taste when you put it. All right, yeah. Because the Guinness is you know it it is um, more like a stout. It's not a heavier stout. It's lighter, but um, yeah, it's that darker beer. Flavor. So maybe the caramel is coming from the Guinness a little bit. I, I like the combo there with the apple. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Guinness has that sort of dark beer, sort of coffee, chocolate, roasty thing. So I can see that all coming together. Um, this drink... Do you, think the, do you think the Beatles were appreciating that in their day? Yeah. I think I've, John was pouring a black velvet and really talking about the tasting notes? Or we all just got up our own asses about alcohol. Now that we're <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I get the sense of this. You know what I've never had? And if anyone wants to donate money for us to pick this one up, I'm happy to listen. Uh, <laughs> is the the Brandy Alexander is apparently the drink that made John fat before help. And I'm willing to give that a shot. See what it was all, all about. Because he loved the Brandy Alexander, I guess. But I'm going to say on this we're one. Not... Yeah, go ahead. We're not all, do... on video a lot for our listeners, but... Um... I don't need to get any fatter. <laughs> oh, shut up, dude. Come on. We're you're, so hot and sexy. You're a, you're a handsome devil. I don't know what you're talking about. Um, you remember will, Scotty is sort of like our Brian Epstein at the time was like, pretend you're not married. You know, like that's why you'll get way more girl podcast fans. <laughs> <laughs> um, I will say this. I, I would say if I was in the Beatles at this time drinking this drink early on, I would say this was a miracle. And it would make me want to cover Smokey Robinson and the Miracle song. Like, you've really got a hold on me. Because this drink has a hold on me right now. 
So a, a tremendous ton. This is this has been a ton of fun. Tremendous thanks to Simon. He he sent a really generous donation our way, and we really appreciate it. It it does go a long way. Um, podcasting isn't free. Turns out uh, there are there's a couple of things some overhead, and so uh, I'd love to get some drinks in. I we appreciate it, and um, the money goes a long way. Uh, if anyone else feels that they would like to send some money, uh, please you can hit uh, blottobeetles.com and uh, let us know what you'd like to hear us drinking. But the best thing is that, you know, the engagement, you know, the, right. the fact that he came up with something, told us a drink he wanted us to drink. It's not just about throwing money, you know, like who cares? Yeah, Like exactly. the fact that we connected with this person and he, you know, we, I, we, we basically have a segment, not a segment, yeah. but like a song based, you know, like. Well, and cool. that's, I, first I thought you were going to say the best things in life, in life are free. Are free. <laughs> <laughs> Same but yeah, the birds and bees. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly it. We're not coming to you with our, our 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 cup in hand necessarily. We're coming to you like a couple of chums at the bar, and I'm feeling like Simon just pulled up to us and said, "You know, get my friends around." And um, I would have thought it was weird if Simon pulled up and was like, "I'm getting you a champagne and Guinness." But in this context, <laughs> I love it, and uh, thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Yes, yes. Check out blottobeetles.com for info on how to feature your drink of preference. Oh, fun. So guys, uh, enough on what we have been drinking this evening. And I think it's time to get into the episode. Um, Becker, it's episode 16. You are probably sick of hearing me say this, but for the first listener, you know, uh, the, the, the person who's just clicked on this for the first time, they don't know why they're here and they might not know about this band um yeah the, pe- the people need to know they need I to mean, know it's not so, gonna make any sense for us to talk about a song if you don't know the band we're talking about so do me a favor and tell everybody who are the beatles with pleasure um we all know the sort of first wave of british punk hitting in 1977 had mm-hmm. a couple of leaders they were the sex pistols yep. the damned mm-hmm. and the beatles huh Led by Joe Strummer, they taught us what it meant to be sort of thoughtful punk, you know, which gave way to a, a global rock stardom. And I was thinking about this today. It's almost like this is the bridge between the Rolling Stones and College Rock. Uh, uh, dude, I think... Uh, which little... which record do you guys prefer the Beatles? Do you like Combat Rocky Raccoon or you like White Album Riot? <laughs> Scotty, which one is your preference? I'm more of a White Album Riot guy. Yeah, yeah. so that's got like, um, should I stay or should I Ringo? And it's got uh, <laughs> long, long, longden calling. And then this is one of my favorites is Cause Buy Me Love. <laughs> you guys, no, are you into on. these two? No, no, no. The first one was good. <laughs> <laughs> no. I oh, usually boy. at this point have a, I love the clash. I love the clash. London calling was a life changing record. I don't for know me. who that is. Uh, that's who you're talking about. You are that's not talking about the Beatles. About, yeah. I, I forgot to tell you that this time around. You are not. There's talking three other about members other than Joe Strummer, by the way. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> Topper Heaton. Yes. For a while. Um, starts with a starts Simeon, with an M. Simonon. What is his Paul name? Simonone. And Paul Simonone. Starts with an M, and, uh, ends with a Nick Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I just looked this up. <laughs> <laughs> I 
It's Mick Jones. Uh, right? Who is it? It's Mick Jones. <laughs> Mick Jones. <laughs> <laughs> I said starts with an M. Got ends it. With an Mick Jones. <laughs> <laughs> we had a we had an audio issue there, but yeah. All right, my my fault. Um, if we I, did a Clash podcast, what would you even think about? I'm going? really trying to think of this right now, and this is the first time I think I've really struggled. I, I you don't prep me on this. I think it's important for people to know that we we just kind of come up with the. Do you have one? It's I would be call something it, off Sandinista. Like it's got to be a drink that sounds like Sandinista. No, I would call it Rock the Cash Bar. <laughs> that's pretty good. All right, All right. <laughs> that, that's great. That is the one I think we just got it. Rock the Cash Bar would be our Clash uh, podcast. A Clash mm-hmm. podcast would be a lot of fun. So in uh, yeah. fifty years, when we're done with this, let's think about that. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be a lot of fun for like three quarters of it. Um, we've had a lot of fun here already, but you know, we come together as a podcast to discuss and rank a single Beatles song. And that is, um, that is our focus every single episode. As you know, we have some rules and those are all present on our website and you can go check that out. But, um, as you know, every episode we have a magical mystery word, um, that Scotty C has pre-selected ahead of time. And whenever that is spoken, um, we are required to do a shot. Um, I'm going to take our headphones off. Tommy's going to take his headphones on it. <laughs> Tommy's going to take his headphones off and Scotty's going to reveal this episode's magical mystery word. Wallow. Before we get into it, um, if we can just do a little bit of housekeeping, um, please don't forget to like, follow and subscribe uh, to us on your podcatcher of choice. If you do feel so compelled, uh, please drop a, a review or so. Five stars certainly helps. Um, we are also always available to you um, on the socials at Blotto Beatles, on Twitter and Instagram, on TikTok, on Facebook. Um, and then if you want to drop us an email, you want to go long form, Beatles at gmail.com. And always, everything you want to need, you want and need from us is at BlottoBeatles.com. And more importantly, really, if you just like the show, please tell one friend. Um, you have a Beatles friend that you, you have a drink or two with and, and talk about the Beatles. Tell them about this show. Um, maybe, um, uh, maybe good conversations. Yeah. Scotty, the last two episodes we have had guests with us and it, it, you know, we've been taken away from the traditional way we do things. This is the first time in a minute that you have been able to pick the track as the executive producer and feed it to us. So why don't you tell us a little about this week's pick? Thank you, Tommy. It feels good to have, you know, the power back. Um, <laughs> I can hear so There I can only be one. <laughs> <laughs> I have the power. And I picked, I picked Don't Bother Me, which is a George song. This was what most consider George's first composition. Certainly his first one recorded and released by the Beatles. With the Beatles, I should say, and on the album with the Beatles in 1963. Apparently, he was uh, he was sick in bed or something, drinking some tonic, as they call it, um, back in the day. And uh, he took a stab at writing a song. Um, he didn't really like it, but um, they <laughs> the guys are so cool. I think this is one of the good things about the Beatles is even early on. You know, they'd give Ringo songs and they might have to write them or whatever. And they'd always give George a song, even if they had to write them. And now George is like, oh, I'll, I'll write my own song. And 
they're accepting of this thing, even if none of them really thought it was great and still <laughs> nobody has ever played it since. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's a very Beatlesy song. Like, it sounds great. It sounds yeah. like he brought it to them and they helped piece it together and make it something that, that ends up being a great recording, I, I feel. And I, I'm going to say my own opinion on this. I find that George is kind of channeling Paul's vocal when I hear him oh. sing this song. Interesting. Um, whereas in the future, I feel like his voice channels John's voice. Like they kind of have yeah. a more similar nasal quality or something at times. But in this one, I could be like, it sounds like Paul was like, do this or whatever. I don't know. Uh, it's, it sounds very Paul to me here. Um, this is kind of cool in the recording studio. They had a couple stabs at it uh, on the first day they started recording in September. And actually, Ringo had a few faults, which was something I talked about not that long ago, where he doesn't have a lot of faults in uh, stopping the tape and stopping a recording. But in this one, he had a few. He was putting those breaks in, those blam, those Beatles breaks, as they were calling them. or um, He was putting them in too much or at the wrong times. They came at it the second day, and uh, they banged it out nice and nice and pretty. John had busted out a guitar pedal for this session, which was something they hadn't done yet. It was a maestro uh, fuzz tone pedal, and he wanted to get an extra bite on his guitar sound, but George Martin shut it down <laughs> and said, uh, "Oh, what a shock!" <laughs> Old George Martin was, he was like, "I don't know, this sound isn't this isn't good." Um, it did come back later on for uh, the first time it showed up was Think for Yourself later on, which was another George song, which is actually pretty cool. But John, I believe, is the one that is playing the kind of the riffy thing on this song. And George is, is more or less strumming some chords and playing the solo. Um, Do you like it? I felt like you you might like this solo. Do you like it? I like it. I like solos that follow the vocal. It's like not so much a solo. It's more of like a... It's like an embellishment of the vocal through a guitar. And it's quick. It's only like a, a measure or two or something, right? Like it's, Yeah, it's just like, it's not even, it's like a half a verse even, right? Yeah. 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 So yeah, it's cool. And they added some weird percussion over it, like a bongo, the stuff they found in the closet or whatever, which I think is hilarious that they're just like rummaging through some closet to find stuff to bang away at for a song. It just kind of shows that like uh, comedic and like lighthearted side of them, not comedic, but lighthearted side of the Beatles that... You know, sometimes we forget because we we were so impacted by the the depth of their music and their songs. Um, so yeah, I mean, I love that the other dudes were encouraging George for this, and they recorded it, and it's it worked out well. Um, I think it's a cool tune, man. I mean, it's got it's got like little riffiness. It's got some speed. It's got those breaks. Um, it's not you know gonna start a revolution but uh it's a good tune what do you guys think i think we should listen to this song oh yeah what do you guys think we do it so uh i'm going to encourage all our listeners uh in in whatever method you do hit hit pause on this podcast for a second and whether it is uh dropping a needle on a record or pulling out your pono and hit and play i think pono must have had a play on it right uh we want you to listen to don't bother me by george harrison and the beatles um most likely you'll find it on the with the beatles record let's do it boys tommy i don't think you should say pull out your pono ever again on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
but here's the song. Since she's been gone, I want no one to talk to me. It's not the same, but I'm to blame. It's plain to see. So go away, leave me alone. So we started this episode with All My Loving, and I think we covered off a little bit on these records or jumped in, but I, I don't know that we discussed it in, in too much detail, and, and if we did, I, I completely forget. But this song came out also, uh, it came out on Meet the Beatles, and it came out on With the Beatles. With the Beatles was the UK release that came out in um, 1963, uh, November 1963, and then Meet the Beatles came out in 1964. In January, I think, I, yeah. Yeah. I think interestingly enough that um, the Beatles were blowing up in in the UK and they put out uh, Please Please Me, which didn't get a a full US release yet. And they didn't want them in the US. Like they were pushing them and they're like, yeah, we're not interested. Like you, you keep those boys across the pond. You keep those Um, haircuts over there. And then um, they sort of did a, a, a U.S. blitz. I think the the Ed Sullivan stuff had, had happened, and they came over right. and played um, All My Lovin'. Yeah. They or did She Loves days, You. What did we say? Yeah. All, All My, my Lovin'. All My Lovin', yeah. <laughs> you got this. And then I think um, she all of a sudden in the loving. States, they were basically like, oh, maybe we should put these boys out. you know. And they had like 30 or 35 songs or so that they had already recorded for uh, uh, EMI. The two and, records, and, yeah. London and we're basically like all right well let's let's put a record together so um despite them having the same cover essentially uh with the Beatles and Meet the Beatles are are two pretty different records because um the U.S. release of Meet the Beatles basically gets rid of all of the covers everything they thought that were like American songs they they got rid of uh Please Mr. Postman Roll Over Beethoven You've Got Really Got a Hold on Me Money they just didn't think that would land and and maybe that's correct. Like maybe them coming in as an originals band was impactful. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, it's so hard because I, I was listening to With the Beatles a lot this week, and it hit me. I think as a record in a much bigger way than it ever had before. And and maybe that's because we spent recently some time with Please Please Me after we did Taste of Honey. Yeah. Um. And, and I really recognize like. In my head, Please Please Me, I think I said this on the episode, was kind of like this garagey rock record, like this prototypical, like early, like get into the studio and bang this thing out. And then you listen to it and you get Taste of Honey. (laughs) And you're like, wait, is this really what I thought it was in my heart all these years? And then you get to With the Beatles and I'm like, I think this might really be the first Beatles album and I think the covers like you've got a hold on me is my favorite Beatles cover in the catalog I I think that's awesome and then like I would put money up against twist and shout in like that raw rock thing John sounds so good on please Mr. Postman like his vocal on that is unreal like I think these covers work well I think you know before we had done this podcast I probably would have agreed with you like yeah give me the originals I think with the Beatles is a brilliant package of tunes put together that takes that next step after the Cavern Club. Just like we're we're just recording our live set and whatever. It's like that first step into let's spend a little time and make this sound good. Yeah, and I you're getting to say that with a lot of 
distance, if you were sort of an American teenager, um, which you were at right. some point, but not at this time, like you had probably already heard rollover Beethoven. You had probably sure. already heard money and maybe this wouldn't have landed as much as getting into, um, the originals, you know, the, or whatever, the originals. Yeah. yeah, exactly. I had just, uh, actually right before we signed on, I just so happens I was just chilling on the couch. I turned on, uh, the television, the tube, and I put on the, uh, Ron Howard hard days night, uh, oh, eight days great. a week. It was called. Yeah. Eight days a week. Eight days a week. Yeah. And, you know, listening to the people, you know, it was a lot about their touring life. And when they came to America it was a big part of that. Um, and the way that the, some of the people that they interviewed had described it and the way that they had kind of described the whole thing was, was the impact that they had of something being so different and, you know, not just their look, but, you know, their sound. And maybe if they were just playing American songs, maybe it wouldn't have had that impact. Yeah. I think that I think that's a little bit of it for me that they could come and and just be like we are a band. We look different. Like as much as you sort of laugh off the Beatles haircut and all of that, like that was a thing, right? They all came in, they had the mop top, they had the suits, they were doing the whole thing and then they had they had some tunes. Like I I, I think it's the whole presentation. Yeah. yeah. My son has that haircut right now actually. We just he realized does. that tonight. Yeah. <laughs> You should get him Beatles boots because I always wanted Beatles boots, <laughs> and they're expensive. Christmas they're is expensive. just around the corner. Yeah, did and, you call uh, Astrid Care Hair for that haircut? <laughs> What's that? I said, did you call Astrid Care Hair for that haircut? <laughs> she was the no, one that I, gave them the original we, haircut. She no, recently no, we, passed, so probably not. No, we did not, but we channeled her. Yeah. All right. <laughs> if you, uh, as an exercise. If we close our eyes and think about the Beatles, this cover is probably one of the images that come to mind. Like this oh, yeah. is amazingly iconic. Um, uh, Brian Epstein had picked Robert Freeman to do this, apparently based on some black and white fo- photos of John Coltrane, which I, I thought was interesting. Oh, that's I interesting. That I didn't know that recently. Yeah. And, um, I don't know if I've ever, I didn't realize it at the time. I've certainly known it since, but they're very serious. They're not smiling. Like this is not their traditional album cover. And like, this is a strong, strong first release to like the Beatles as individual personalities. Like you almost see it in the cover now, knowing them way later, but they are all relatively straight faced. Um, like men more are you thinking, or are you saying like something different? I mean, they're still you, you, the boys. You, they're boys I guess. becoming men. Yeah, I know. I know what you're gonna <laughs> and, say. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, like, there's something. Uh, you know, I think their personality is in each one of their faces. I guess is what I'm. I'm trying to say. I don't know that I have a more eloquent way to to I explain it, but I feel like I see them up until right now. I know exactly who each one of them are from this picture. This is a super nerdy thing that I'm I'm just realizing. Is it about I, Star Wars? <laughs> no, <laughs> not with the uh, Star Wars dude. All the, right. the the lack so of Carl sympathy. Weathers. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Mando. Originally, uh, Boba Fett wasn't featured as prominently in the first. <laughs> you know? No, the, there's no there's no symmetry to this photo. Like, why yeah. isn't it a, a block? Why why aren't there two on the top and two on the bottom? 
You've got John, George, and Paul up top, and then poor Ringo hanging out alone on the second row. Um, yeah, and, they, and that's they resize everyone's choice. faces, which is interesting. You yeah, know, that's like an interesting not, artistic. Like, this isn't choice. the real size of their faces, right? No, their faces are much bigger. They were big. I know it was a long time ago, and people were smaller then, but they weren't that small. <laughs> Do you think that these, like these are um, not facial impressions of the Beatles? This isn't like when you went to Plymouth Plantation and you're like, "Whoa, they slept in that bed." <laughs> That's Do you think Pilgrim, that, uh, Pilgrims were very small. Can we talk were, about that? They were a small second? people. Why were Pilgrims so small? <laughs> Do you think that Ringo being on his own kind of is kind of like the drummer on his own in the back? you know, in the back line. Yeah, I don't know. And I don't know how much they thought about the design of it. I don't know if someone just threw the pictures onto a black mat and said, here, we, here's how they fit. And we're, we're yeah, going to yeah. go with it. But I think it's like stuff like that's fascinating to me uh, of like, is it a conscious choice or, or a, an unconscious choice that just works for something iconic? I think is this not cool. a photo? Is this not a photo? This is four photos that are put together. You think? I have no idea. That's a great question, too. I think it has to be. Because it would be really weird if they were like, all right, Ringo, you ducked up. <laughs> Lower. I, Lower. I, I assume it's a composite. And what not, if the original uh, photo has Pete Best? And not like Ringo sitting Ringo. on Paul's lap like a ventriloquist dummy. Yeah. <laughs> I play the drums. <laughs> <laughs> So, <laughs> shut up you gonna, we're all gonna get along yeah yeah those drumsticks um, are my legs <laughs> i tried to think of a wood joke <laughs> I, I don't have a lot of wood jokes uh this episode is about <laughs> is about you do don't camp me yeah <laughs> <laughs> um this is a song i'd mostly sort of um just overlook just sort of taking it in yeah. as the general context of the time right like these songs have a way of just sounding like um the beatles early beatles they have a way of sounding just like beatlemania and i probably just lumped that in here i don't think that until um uh, years and years later that i knew that this was specifically a, a george song because me right. unearthing who owned what uh, as a as a beetle was not until way later in the game um but Tommy, That's what was your first that, take on going back and taking in Don't Bother Me? Well, that that idea of like picking out the Beatles voices and picking whose song is whose, I haven't thought about in a long time, you know? And yeah, it, it, it probably happened somewhere in my 20s where I really sat down and was like, oh, this is Paul and this is John or whatever. Like yeah. that That's a cool thing I, I hadn't really uh, reflected on in a minute. Um, this tune, I'm going to say it's Scotty. Like it, <laughs> your intro was fantastic and and in a lot of ways, your intros usually are like kind of check boxes for me of like, that's something I, I want to pick. Like I had a note on and I wanted to pick up. You had a lot of information for all the like listening and research I did on this tune. I little things I didn't know that I thought were very cool about the, the recording process and kind of what was going on, especially the John stuff. Um, I do think I came, I came back Becker. I think this is what you were saying, like to this idea of Beatlemania. Um, John and Paul are writing love songs, right? Like yeah. the, these big, positive, like emotive songs. I want to hold your hand. P.S. I love you. I want to hold your hands a little later. But, um, and George, his first solo song, his first solo credit is Don't Bother Me. 
Yeah. And I think that's such a like yeah. such a George thing. Like that is his yeah. Beatles attitude throughout the band, right? Yeah. And knowing George like later in his other songs, you're like, oh, of course this is George's first song, you know. Interestingly, they, he still has that way, and it's probably just like uh, contractually obligated that he's weaving in that you know he's home, sort of uh, bedbound and sick about a girl who left him or, or something like that. But his response right. is just like, "Don't bother me, leave me alone." Um, this is the first, I think, the first like negative Beatles tune, right? Like there isn't this notion yet where um, everything is about loving and, and kissing and holding hands and yeah. that sort of vibe. Very, and, very cute, like, uh, junior high love in, in a way. And then George is coming out with this, like, little bit of angst, this little bit of, yeah. like, 90s grunge <laughs> in this thing. Like, don't bother me. And, like, we see but that I had, re- I had cr- read that he was, like, sick in bed and yeah, yeah, wanted too, to... Yeah. He was, you know, felt like he needed to come up with this tune. And I, I do love that he's just like, don't bother me. I'm just <laughs> yeah. I know Scotty doesn't like when I do voices. They're very you know, that was good. Though, yeah, that was really good. <laughs> very accurate. No, yeah. but we see this like throughout. I mean, this is the same guy that writes "I mean mine." Like, eh, I mean mine. Like, I mean mine. Yeah. I mean mine. I mean mine. <laughs> you know, like, Have we created a new George caricature for <laughs> yeah. this episode? We, we worshipped George for oh, like George. ten He's episodes. My favorite Beatles. and now we're like. Yeah. Eh. Don't bother me. <laughs> wow, wow. Oh, George. <laughs> he writes a song called Wow Wow. <laughs> you know, like, what I think is um go ahead. I, I was I was just gonna say I don't think it'll play as well as Wow Wow, but like even only a northern <laughs> song, like He's just complaining about his publishing company taking all his money. He's complaining <laughs> about the tax man. He's like, you know, this is the first George in a long line of complaining. A, a whiner? Yeah. It should be called I mean whiner. <laughs> <laughs> That's not a George song, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean minor is a Bruce Springsteen song. So George has a couple of George Martin has a couple of things to say, but um he talks about the first time he hears um, the Beatles together, and he says, uh, I thought they're great people, but who am I going to make lead voice? I spent an afternoon with each one of them in turn. I chucked out George pretty quickly, so it was left to either Paul or John. And so, it, you know, it's it's 1971. You feel like he could be a little bit more pleasant to to George, who clearly had started building his own, his own legacy or something. So... Um, a little bit later, uh, they say, oh, you know, was 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 it required that sort of George got two songs per record? And they were like, uh, um, George Martin says, uh, we wouldn't say, what do you got then, George? We'd say, oh, you've got some more, have you? I must say that looking back, it was a bit hard on him, but it wasn't natural because the others were so talented. And so I certainly get that sentiment, but... Um, in this in this article, basically, George doesn't give um, George Harrison any credit for coming into his own as a writer almost until something. In fact, he basically says that every contribution prior to that was um, poor and dead boring as wow. as actual quotes, which is pretty harsh. I mean, you know, I, I think that 
certainly George is is coming into his own on well into Revolver and into Rubber Soul. You know, I was gonna say Tax Man is a great song. I, you know, yeah, I really think it is, and it it kicks off Revolver. Right, they gave yeah. him slot position, which they yeah, like, George Martin is the one that always talks about the corners of the record. the The first on the A side, the last on the A side, the first on the B side, and the last on the B side. Those have to be the four most important songs of the record. So they all agree at some point that Tax Man has a 25% stake in this record and they put it at the the front, which should say something. Or they just love money and they hate giving it to the tax. Right. That's true too. <laughs> but you know, you know, I think that Paul says the same thing. Yeah. Paul he always say says, Oh, way. you know, and everybody talks about George. Oh, George. Yeah. 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 He came a long ways as a songwriter. He ended up doing something. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah they say something. Says. It was his he moment. Never, they never I say anything but something. It's like, it's something that good. I mean, it's a great song, but I think his other songs are good too. I don't think it's like this, this giant gap that they're making it sound like. Yeah, you didn't see something in George until something at the end of the Beatles. Essentially, you know, I think that's yeah, that's perhaps like me. Perhaps like me, they had forgotten about while my guitar gently weeps. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think we're all forgetting about that for this conversation right now. But George Martin is jumping over um, a lot of that, I guess. You know. And but then interestingly, the and I think this is because he's like really trying to stick it to John and Paul, because I don't think George Martin is very happy with the early uh, solo Paul and John records. But in, in saying uh, Melly Maker asks like what uh, what George thinks about the, the solo output because it's 71. So everyone has put out their their first pieces, I think. And he says the first thing he says is I have great admiration for George. So he's talking about all things must pass. He's done tremendously because it's sort of a devotion to duty as far as he's concerned. We're f- we've forced him into being a loner, I guess. He could never collaborate with anybody in his writing, and therefore, when the split came, he had more strength because he was forced to be alone. Which wow. is a very nice way of saying that, like, we didn't record any of his fucking songs. Yeah. <laughs> and he got to amass yeah, an amazing collection of, of tunes that we all rejected. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Because, like, Lennon McCartney, like, this was a thing. Like, it was literally a legal yeah. thing, I think. I mean, they're, they're great songwriters. They did it great together. They did it, they did it great apart. And for the most part, they did it better than George all the while. Like, um, yeah. So let's not act like this is some asshole thing to say. I mean, it's like truth. Yeah, I don't disagree. I, this I podcast that... is over. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I don't like the notion of George just being there as the sideman. I think that's what I react to the most. That that George is there and participating. And I know we're saying at the time that... Uh, Lennon and McCartney are coming in with these fully formed tunes and and certainly in the earlier time that that is exactly what it is but it's it's probably what we get to all the time like I don't like subtracting anything from the equation of the Beatles and so sort of being a little bit like oh George was you know he had a couple of things but we had we had John and Paul and so of course that was that was top billing I'd like to hear George Martin also saying that um Harrison was was important to the creation of of everything. I guess. No, I. You're right. I'm sorry. I said the things I said earlier. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was We're it was absolutely so right. Like, why are we dogging on the best? You know, the best musical musical marriage that that ever existed. Right. We are doing this podcast because we want to talk about John and Paul. I think it's fair though to be like it, it took 
to take both sides of this and say, it took George a minute to be a great songwriter, right? Like it, it took him longer than it did John and Paul. I think like you guys, I think agree. It's before something it's before Abbey road where yeah. he's really coming into his own as a songwriter way and before. they could have recognized it earlier. Um, but still it's really hard to front on what John and Paul are doing. Do you think there's a little bit of that, like, um, not say competition, but like you hear someone do something cool and you're like, I want to downplay it so that I don't get, you know, someone steps over me or whatever. Well, and I wonder how much of the perspective of, you know, um, guys in their early twenties, Beatlemania, whatever, George, you watch, you, you were talking earlier, Scotty, about, uh, eight days a week. Um, and you watch George in that movie and he's super happy to be part of Beatlemania at first. And there is a distinct break and period where he is super sick of it all of a sudden. Um, and I, th- I think there's something to be said for the fact that he's along for the ride and being like, this is great. I play lead guitar in a band and we're the most famous thing in the world. And then it gets old pretty fast of having everyone on you all the time. And you have yeah. to hunker down in a hotel room. And um, and that's maybe and where the grumpiness comes out. A, a bit of your time. You know what I mean? Even the yes, people in the hotel yeah, are yeah, like, yeah. yeah. But if we take the talking about the tracks and the early thing and who contributed what, like bringing it back to Don't Bother Me is, is it won't be long a better song than Don't Bother Me because I feel like this song gets a little dogged and I don't really know why. And diving into the research of it, even George himself is basically like, I wrote her first song. I don't even know that you could call it a song anymore. It's not that great, but... Like, what am I missing about this track that people are are giving it, it grief? Because it it sounds like Beatles to me. I uh, I think it's a fine song. I, I think it's a good song. I do think it won't be long as a better song. Yeah, personally. Um, I it comes, think something... it comes out the gate too, like the whole yeah. It won't be long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, exactly. It, there's an energy to this record that's there. And, and I think that uh, Don't Bother Me plays into that energy. And it comes right after All My Lovin', which is now a, a very famous, like, it, it, like um, kind of cornerstone Beatles song for what it means in, in the culture of the Beatles. So it's right after that. And, and it comes right before a song that none of us, I, I imagine, know what this song sounds like, Little Child. I can't pick that song <laughs> out right now out of my head. I'm sure if I hear him, like, oh, yeah, that's a little child. I get it. Um, but I, I do know Don't Bother Me, I, you know? And so I, I think there's, it's in the fabric of this song, of this album, I mean. Like, it, it's it's there. And like you're saying, Becker, I, I think it's part of Beatlemania, and it's part of, like, this era of the Beatles. I basically am like, this is a pretty solid first song, you know? So I, mm-hmm. I, I, I don't I don't want to give it a lot of grief, you know? I think what everyone is, thinks what that. What is yeah. this song? It's it's like surf Latin or something. I don't know. <laughs> what would you call this musically? I think it, George brought a song in and they just did whatever the hell they wanted to it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I do want to talk about this song specifically again. We were talking more about like <laughs> grumpy George, right? And like kind of the, the, that theme of some of his music. Um, I thought something very interesting was I, I I came across a demo. Did you guys hear the 
demo of this tune. And I don't know if it's from the hotel <laughs> or not. To it. It's yeah, long, it, it, but it's... It's very long. And I don't want to listen to the whole thing, but Scotty, I Do you have a time you want to start it at? Just st- kick it off at the beginning, and I'm right. I'm kind of interested in the There's whistling. a real demo of this song? Yeah, oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's pretty hard to listen to. Yeah, let's do it. If I'm George Martin and uh, George Harrison just brought this in, I'm like, all right, we're going to go with the Lennon and McCartney yeah. tune. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very yeah, much. So I think that's but, <laughs> if right, I'm George Martin, the... I'm like, uh, call me when you got something. Yeah. <laughs> so there, there Hold are on. Two Once I start I... whistling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There are two things I thought when I, when I heard that demo. One is like him clearly trying to pick out what the next chord should be. In, in a way, yeah. like he's unsure and he's like, maybe this one, maybe that one. That in my mind is the weight of Lennon McCartney on him. Like what's, what's going to sound good. This is not gonna, a natural yeah. thing for George to write a song and like sit down and let this thing flow out of him. Like these later songs do is what I feel. Um, maybe it's the acoustic nature of it. Maybe it's that it's a lot slower. He's sick. I feel too. Th- Maybe it's that he's sick in bed. I feel you can hear All Things Must Pass era George Harrison songs in the chords of this. In in like yeah. some something in the, the something in the way it moves. Um <laughs> like it, there there's something to be said for and maybe it's like a little bit of whistling or something to it that is ethereal and spiritual in a way that it's not meant to be that I'm hearing, you know, decades later. But I I think we hear where this guy gets in that little bit of a demo. Yeah. I, I actually really like that angle. I think when you said that about this could be a rough take of it and all things must pass sort of leaning tune. I I think you're absolutely right. Like it's so much more, um, I think he's finding his footing it's authentic. Um, and this is probably what we enjoy about George Harrison, right? Like you do feel that his delivery or what he's telling you is, is George Harrison all at the time, which I, I don't know that we feel right. that trust in the rest of the Beatles. They, they say it's about like, I don't know if this is much of a hot take, but, and, and we kind of hinted at this. Everyone says this song is about a breakup. Do we feel it's more about Beatlemania? Like, is this George feeling the weight uh, of people on him all the time? They oh, even... He wants a little distance of, of that. They yeah. haven't even been to America yet. Yeah. Come on, That's George. That's true. You're in a hotel playing cover songs every night. You'll be fine. You'll get That's by. true. I, I might be rushing <laughs> that opinion. Yeah. <laughs> um, I feel like he... Th- thought that he had to sing about girls you know yeah Yeah. i think that if if he was looking up to john and paul like you know like he didn't have another topic to get into he wasn't uh he wasn't so rich he he was worried about the tax man yeah yeah he hadn't found money drugs or guns oh wait that's what he found sorry (laughs) lawyers or chocolates yeah (laughs) delicious chocolates (laughs) (laughs) 
One thing I thought, uh, I was listening to different versions of the song and, uh, you know, you go down a YouTube rabbit hole and you see someone who wants to teach you how to play the song. And there was a guy doing the, um, the bass part and I never realized this. I think the bass part does the same thing maybe as the lead guitar, which it doesn't usually happen in a song. Is that right? I mean, Scotty, you would probably know better than I would. I would say that, you know, like I was saying, I would say like I was saying, um, I believe that John plays the kind of boom, bam, bam, yeah, bam, bam, you know, like he's doing that while, while George is singing and playing just some standard chords and, and yes, George comes in and does a solo, but what Paul does really counteracts, um, the rhythm of that sort of John part that's, that's out front. And I'm 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 not I'm not gonna be able to um because I remember when I recorded the karaoke I was having a struggle trying to not do John's part on bass. Oh interesting. Okay, so it's like slightly different like there's a little syncopation to it or something. There's a that's... great syncopation to it. There's something that, that, that works and it's a little more to that, you know, Latin vibe or whatever you guys were saying. Like it's 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 got that like um that little bit of space and that little bit of touch and to it that um that paul is just you know the the base creativity that he brings out especially like we're looking at this early stuff like 63 64 like this is early early rock and roll and paul is doing like wild little riffs on the bass yeah, yeah. that and are he's like singing they, he's making he's himself busier doing... than it seems like he needs to be <clears throat> yeah and, and he's singing it, the whole way like like it's not a lot of it is ha- hanging around the major scale or whatever scale it is. He might be in the minor scale and he's like moving around. He he's, uh, you know, not, not to go too back to the future on you guys, but like, he's just taking that thing for a walk a, a lot of the time. Isn't he like, he, he just yeah. doesn't know more the- Michael J. Vox talk. <laughs> I really <laughs> thought I said a moratorium on this. Is that not true? Yeah. I thought his name well, was Marty McFly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I think I, that's whenever I focus on Paul, I am like, you are making this so much harder on yourself than it needs to be. Like other bases of the time are, um, and this is clearly why we celebrate McCartney for being McCartney. Right. I mean, it's, it's yeah. almost dumb to say, but I mean, other bases of the time are not, are, are not making themselves so known inside of the track, I guess, you know, yeah, it's, the, it's, it's the melodic side of it, the, the, the rhythmic side of it, the combination of the two, and that's like kind of like the, you know, it's like, I don't want to, I don't, I'm, this is coming off out of nowhere right now, but I'm going to say like McCartney is like what he was to his time period of bass players is what like Mike Watt was to like punk bass players. Like, yeah, that's Mike a Watt, really great Mike, analogy. Mike Watt was all over the place. He was doing all this stuff. Like he wasn't thinking about like, I need to be like this person or I need to be like that. He's like just creating something that's also benefiting the song and fitting in with D Boone was doing or, you know, like, I mean, it's, and to those listeners that think this is an anti Paul podcast. I mean, come on. We just said that Paul is the Mike Watt of, uh, (laughs) (laughs) that's like the highest praise I could ever give a bass player. (laughs) Yeah, you have, and I think we're saying right for anyone who doesn't listen to Mike Watt or, or hasn't heard oh my the Man or any of that. Stuff, listen to Mike. I think Watt. we're basically listen. saying that Paul has reinvented this instrument and made it yes um, such an essential part of a 
the Minutemen were a three-person group. I, I think he's made it an essential part of this four-person group that he, he, it has to be Paul McCartney playing bass in the Beatles. There's a sad story out there that being a bassist is easy. You know what I mean? That being the bassist in the band is an easy thing. Being a good bassist is a really hard thing to do because a good bassist finds their way into a song, finds their way to accompany a song, and then to poke out where the listener will occasionally say like, and uh, an untuned ear to like what a, a band is and what instruments are within music that like all of a sudden they're like, oh, that thing is the song. And all of a sudden, you know, someone that is more familiar with music might be like, that thing is the bass. Like, that yeah. usually hides in the background and all of a sudden comes out on top, but only when it's appropriate to come out on top. You know, like, exactly. that's yeah. a, a tough I want to be navigate. careful that this podcast doesn't come off as, like, um, sucking up to bassists, though. You know, like, let's... <laughs> if we had to do a hierarchy of uh, instrumentation, you know, like... Uh, I'm sucking up to uh, xylophone players first, but yeah, yeah, okay, Zappa. <laughs> <laughs> you take Ruth, I'll take McCartney. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Listen, what um, is your issue with Les Claypool? I've never known. <laughs> <laughs> I'm always like Les Claypool. You get some frets on that thing, yeah. and then yeah. get back to me. <laughs> He says his name is more Claypool because he can't play anymore. I wish I had less Claypool. Less is more Claypool. (laughs) (laughs) No one has ever told him that for his uh, his bass playing. (laughs) Yeah, less Claypool. I wish. (laughs) That's so funny. I don't agree, though. <laughs> uh, guys, I, I I got one more thing here. And um, I have a good friend who's been listening to the podcast, my friend Stephanie. She sent me a book, A Hard Day's Aww. Right. Isn't that nice? Very nice. That's very so nice. nice. Yeah. And it's got... What it has is um, a, a little, like, two... Who two is her three, favorite uh, blotto... Um... Beatles host, um, because I didn't, uh, I didn't get a book, Stephanie. Yes. <laughs> so that should tell you something. <laughs> Maybe that, you don't don't have my full address. I think, yeah, that's I think a hit. That was too. It is. Yeah. yeah. Um, I thought is so. Th- there's a few, couple, two, three paragraphs on each uh, original Beatles song here, and um, don't bother me. Has they're, they're talking about a lot of what we discussed, but this was a little story I uh, I found interesting. So it says Bill Harry, the founder of the Liverpool music paper Mercy Beat, has suggested the title had another origin. Apparently, Harry used to pester George whenever he saw him to find out if he'd written anything since his first instrumental composition, "Cry for a Shadow," which was included by an album Tony Sheridan did in 1962. When George was about to go out one night, he thought he might bump into me, Harry wrote. So he started writing a number, which he called, Don't Bother Me. (laughs) (laughs) That feels suspect. (laughs) Yeah, this is clearly a reporter trying to, a journalist trying to stick himself into Beatles history, right? Are are we all in agreement there? (laughs) Thank you, Stephanie. Yeah, Yeah, thanks. 
so boys, we've got a chance to talk about this a ton. And, and, and I think overall, and, and maybe my defensiveness early on about the George Martin stuff and everything is that I love Harrison, you know, and, and in a big way, I would say that I'm a, a Harrison guy first, you know, because who doesn't love Paul? Who doesn't love John? But, but Harrison has its, uh, his and own songs. appeal. Yeah. yeah. And sorry. he becomes his own. Um, and so to, to get his first tune in, um, it, is fantastic but you know we come together to to discuss and rank and place a single Beatles song and so i think it's time to throw this up on the list oh, i, I the agree list yeah you want me to run through some highlights for you guys what are we what have we recently done to the list okay we touched it a coming few up times. here yeah so i'm i'm gonna go um let's go top to bottom and that's right now, at, sitting at number one, we still have uh, Happiness is a Warm Gun from the White Album. That's a John tune. Sitting at number five, um, that was our recently released. We, we're, we're a couple episodes deeper than this. Um, not a couple of drinks deeper than we were that episode. That was the song oh. Day Tripper. It was a single. It was a John tune. Uh, number 10, we've got Good Day Sunshine from Revolver, a Paul song. And at number 15, our last song right now, A Taste of Honey from Please Please Me. So George is at number two right now, though. His only other song. George currently has Long, Long, Long long. at number two. Uh, Anyone, I don't know if you guys are looking at the list right now. Anyone want to make an opening bid? It's not going to be above Long, Long, Long. (laughs) No, it's not. No, we're not not going with another George song. I'm going to start from the rear, and I'm going to say it's better than Taste of Honey. Yep. That, I think that's it, about as high as I'm going to go, yeah. Is it What's better than it? Act Naturally? I'm not sure about that, yeah. <laughs> I think yes. I think that an original George tune is better than a Ringo cover song. Like that, that, that he Fight wrote me. it? Or that it's actually... Fight me. That it sounds better and is more enjoyable to listen to? both okay you don't you don't like it i know i'm sp- i'm so I like divided all songs. you know this <laughs> here's the here's the problem is that i haven't listened to act naturally in a minute and so like off the top of my head i'm like yeah don't bother me is better than act naturally um i don't think it's better than tell me why which is the the next one on the list so i, I don't i think, can I safely think, i think it's a runoff there. between these two i i i would I do too. I would stand on this a little bit. I do, I don't disagree, and I think I I, I want to be on record and saying I think this is close in this call for me. Like, um, but I do believe that "Don't Bother Me" is better than "Act Naturally." I'm putting it. I'm putting it mostly there. because it's an original. I think so. Absolutely. I'm I'm uh, I'm making the joke, but I legitimately am not slighting Ringo in this one, in in my opinion, because, um. Right now, where we're at, I believe that that Ringo had earned his earned his place there. But um, yeah, this is the first George tune. We know what's to come. Like he is establishing himself in this song. Like there is just some inherent credit in knowing that what George has put out right here and to what he becomes. And I know that that Tommy would rather that I am rating some of the stuff sort of on its own merit in the moment. Um, but I don't have that in me. I don't know how to do that. So I am carrying uh, the history and understanding of George when I when I rank this tune. So yeah, we are putting the song above Act Naturally. This one is currently sitting at number 14 
It is above Act Naturally. It is below Tell Me Why from A Hard Day's Night. And Becker, I would love it if you would take us home on this episode. I'm Becker, and that was Tommy. Uh, We are your co-hosts. This podcast is produced, edited, composed, and magically assembled by Scotty C. We have some additional music supervision and assistance by our friend and yours, RB. That B stands for Beatles. Uh, Check him out at Ryan O. Brooks on all of the socials. We are also on all of the socials at Blotto Beatles. Please remember, this show is performed by professionals. Enjoy Blotto Beatles responsibly. We, we really, really encourage that one. We've had a good time drinking this evening, but we're all going to bed um, in our beds, in our homes where we are recording right now. Don't forget to subscribe and rate us on your podcast app of choice. And as always, peace and love. Peace. Peace and love. Since she's been gone, I want no one to talk to me. It's not the same, I'm not to blame, it's plain to see. So go away, leave me alone, don't bother me. I can't believe that she would leave me on my own. It's just not right when every night I'm all alone.